Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Breakaway Bandits podcast for April 16th, 2022. Um, Breakaway Bandits, part of the Sports Insanity Network. My name is Nathan Moser, joined by Mike Rifkin. Uh, Noah's feeling a little bit under the weather, um, so it'll just be the two of us for this episode. Um, we we hope that Noah is uh, feeling better soon. Mike, first off, how are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Doing well. Um, we have a lot of hockey to get to. Um, we're, we're not going to be starting off on a positive note, but um, we do have a lot of on-ice stuff to get to. Um, just a little bit of a preview. I want to talk about uh, 100 point scores this season. We've got a lot of those. Um, the offense, you could t- definitely tell, has really gone up this this season. Um, we're, we're going to talk about someone who's also accomplished a big milestone who uh, you know very well from your team. And uh, we have some other news and notes that we'll get to as well, as well as a Mike Rifkin classic statement address that we will uh, dive into. But um, that was a necessary pun. That wasn't even on purpose. <laughs> I, I would never dive in with what I'm going to get into. No, but- no, you wouldn't. So that's kind of a stupid move on my <laughs> anyway. Um, all right, but um, everyone go and, watch Jaws. And yeah, we'll um, but uh, we'll we'll transition the best we can with the the first story we have to cover. Um, New York Islanders legend and Hockey Hall of Famer Mike Bossy passed away at the age of sixty five. Um, obviously, for for Islander fans and for hockey fans in general. Um, he was a big part of the Islanders eighties dynasty teams. He won, he helped the team win four straight Stanley cups along with Brian Trottier, Denny Potvin, Bob Nystrom, Billy Smith, Clark Gillies, Al Arbor being the coach. Uh, bossy had nine 50 goal seasons, which only he and Wayne Gretzky have accomplished so far. Um, and Mike, just, just overall, just, um, it just, Sad news. I know there was, I think we had seen stuff about him recently going into hospice. Um, so just, just a tough thing. And the Islanders fans in general have dealt with um, uh, sad news lately too. Just uh, Clark Gillies obviously passing away recently as well as Gene Podvin. Um, you know, and I, I know for me, when it, when looking back on, I mean, looking at the Islanders as an, as an, organization as a whole with their history and remembering everything i know like looking at if you look at like the stats brian trottier has a lot of the stat the statistical categories offensively for the team points and everything like that but when you but when i think when i see the new york islanders logo mike bossy is the first person i think of i don't know if it's the same for you but um for, for me it was always al arbor Okay. Who, who co- coached that group? So, so that's what I've always thought of. But you know, it, it's it's hard when anyone, of course, passes. But when it's an icon, and when you think of the 1980s in particular, there's two teams you think of: the Oilers, Gretzky, Messier, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and it's the Islanders. Right led by Mike Bossy, who had 573 career goals. And you'll just, when you lose an icon of the sport, it's just, it's difficult. 
I mean, the Islanders had to play a game last night in Montreal. Yeah. As well. So it, it's kind of, you know, it's hard to reminisce when you also have to go out and do what you got to do. Yeah, so play a game. It's another tough blow um, to the dynasty because, yeah. as you said, Clark Gillies, Gene Potvin. Well, I liked that you. I liked that you. I liked how you called him an icon because he really is a. He's an icon for the sport, but specifically, he's an icon for the Islanders. Right, because he, when you he, he sorry to cut literally, you off, he literally you built up your whole their career in one spot. Yeah, you're an icon. I'm. I'm not comparing the two players, but. Derek Jeter will always be a New York icon because he only played for the Yankees. Eli Manning will always be a Giants icon because he only played for the Giants. Mike Bossy will always be an Islanders icon because he only played for the Islanders. Plus the fact the four Stanley Cups, and he's one of only two players who scored the cup-winning goals in back-to-back years. Yeah, he – I mean, that's the thing is that he – I mean – he helped stabilize, I mean, like helped establish, I guess this is a better word, not stabilize. He helped establish their history because yeah. he was one of the guys from the beginning and he helped carve a path for the organization in their early years. Yeah. So, I mean, um, and, you know, so obviously um, our thoughts and prayers are with, Mike Bossy's family and friends, all of his loved ones, um, and with Islanders fans everywhere just because of... Um, and the Islander organization. Yes. Yes. Um, but, um, yeah, so, but just, a, but just a, like I said, just an absolute legend for, for the Islanders organization. Um, and um, he will be missed. Um we have to transition. Uh, I will first, Mike, any other, anything else you want to say or. No, but rest in yeah. peace, sir. Yeah. I think for a lot of, I think for a lot of these type of situations, it's really hard to, it's really hard to say stuff too. I mean, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just difficult, but, um, but rest in peace. Um, but anyway, we have to, we do have to transition. Um, and we're going to be talking next. We're going to go positive, positive. Yes, well, yes, positive, positive. The rest of the way, um, we have some, we have some college hockey debuts. Um, so players from college who uh, have left the Michigan Wolverines program. Um, a few that we that we want to talk about, and specifically, those guys are Owen Power, Matt Benier, Maddie Beneers, and Kent Johnson. So, Power. Uh, who was picked first overall in the in the uh, most recent draft um, debuted for the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, it was very interesting for him because he played his first game in Toronto, which is where he grew up, has a lot of family there still. And so very special moment for him that he got to play his first game in Toronto. And it's awesome just for him in general that he does not have he's not that far away from home. You know, Buffalo Buffalo is only I think like a ninety minute drive, so he, he 
his family can come see him when they want. He can go back home if he wants, you know, if he, they have a break or something. But um, so I watched some of his first game uh, when he played against the Leafs. Uh, he broke up a two on one uh, right away. And, and uh, it was Mark, Mark Giordano with the puck and he was feeding. He was going to try to feed Austin Matthews, who is one of the best players in the sport. So the fact that Power was able to break up a two-on-one early, which is something that if you talk to a lot of people who follow the Sabres and Sabres media, breaking up two-on-ones is not really the team's strong suit. So the fact that he's able to do something right away, stepping in his first game that some other players on the team can't do, that's a big boost right there for the lineup. Um, But he ended up finishing the night with a plus-two he had one hit, one blocked shot, one takeaway, and he played about 20 minutes of ice time. Which the fact that he was that he got that much of a load in his first game, I think, is credit to Don Granado. He's not as a head coach, he's not afraid to put a player out, um, you know, right away, have him experience what the NHL is like. I mean, Power was out there for the first shift of the game against Matthews. First shift of the entire game, he was out there. So Granado's not afraid to put him in big moments right away. It's it's to help the learning process, and I think that that can be important. Obviously, you don't want it to be, you don't want that to you know overwhelm a player. But I think Granado is really good at having players feel like they're prepared and putting them in moments that aren't too big for them, and they can get a lot out of these players. Like and, you're going to say something. And, and he's putting confidence in him. Hey, I'm going to start you against Matthews. One, it's confident, trying to build confidence with him. But two, it's it's your first game. I'm, tr- I'm trying to make you not as nervous as you sh- could be. And right. So I, I got to be honest. I don't know who he played with defensively he I don't know who he played with in the second game but he was playing with Yoki Haru in the first game Uh so So, so you're pairing him with someone who has a little bit of experience as well which is always the smart way to go but yeah because they were rolling with uh it was Darlene and Matias Samuelson was the one pairing and then they had um and then they had uh, Power and Yoki Haru. Uh, Samuelson was out for the Blues game. Mm. Um, they put Butcher in because I think Samuelson blocked a shot or something like that. But Samuelson wasn't able to play in the game or something like that. So they put Butcher in. But um, but that four, I think, is going to be significant for the Sabres going forward. And Power, Darlene, Yoki Haru, and uh, Samuelson. Uh, Samuelson's a very underrated player for the Sabres. But, uh, but going back to... Going back to power, he would get his first NHL point. It was an assist on an Alex Tuck goal, which on a side note was very happy for Tuck because he wanted uh, he wanted RJ to call a goal of his before Je- Rick Jenneret would retire, being the Sabres broadcast announcer. And he was able to get that in the Blues game. It was on a losing effort, unfortunately, but... Um, but that that was cool that Tuck got that, but also cool that Power got that first one. Um, so, um, but he also had his first welcome to the NHL moment because Vladimir Tarasenko, the you could argue the face of the franchise there right now, um, 
ended up giving him his first NHL welcome to the NHL moment where he kind of deked around power and was able to get a goal. It was a beautiful goal, but uh, yeah, obviously power is going that one back. Huh? Was the Forsberg, right? He went around with one hand? It was, I think it was something like that, yeah. But he, I didn't watch as much of the Blues game. I did see the goal, but uh, I, wa- I watched pretty much the entire game, the, the Leafs game, just because I wanted to see his debut. So but power was taken to the Terra Sanks show. Sure. <laughs> uh, but it's not a Doc Terrasink. No, a lot no, of no, no, no. A lot of people. It's the thing is, is that it's his second NHL game. He's a 19 year old. I think he'll be fine. Like he'll, oh, yeah. it's not going to be, you know, Tarasenko is one of the best players. They were saying this, uh, on WGR, uh, sports radio in Buffalo. Tarasenko is one of the best players in the sport. So, I mean, it's like, you know, power will learn from this. He will get, you know, he'll, he'll get better. He'll know what to, how to plan better for it next time. So can, can we just, I know we're talking power and young guys, but remember Tarasenko requested a trade during the off season and he's had a really good year in St. Louis. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing too, is that I remember when we were talking about Tarasenko possibly being like a Seattle Kraken player. Speaking of the Seattle Kraken. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I guess that. I guess. I mean. I guess that could be a good uh, transition. I get one more thing on power, but um, okay. I'm really excited to see. He looks like a veteran to an extent. He looks very comfortable. If he's nervous, he doesn't show it at all. He's very calm. And he, here's the thing I'll say for him, and and which isn't really the case for a lot of number one overall picks. The break he gets is that he gets to grow with a team that's growing. Yeah. But like, I, I want to save this for the next time we have Dulce on. Cause yeah. We've had conversations. I kind of view Buffalo right now, kind of similar to how I view the Red Wings, where all those young players are starting to grow and you're getting a feel of, who's in for the long term and who's not. The one difference for me is Detroit as Nedeljkovic. Buffalo's still kind of waiting for that guy in goal. I do know they have the college kid, Levi. Well, they have Devin Levi, and they also have Eric Portillo, who was also in Michigan, but he's one of the players that went back. to Both yeah. goalies went back to college for another year, which I don't think either of them are senior are going to I don't think either of them are seniors next year. Maybe one of them is, but um, I don't think there's a sense. I know there's some people that are worried that we're going to lose one of them as free agents, but I don't know. We'll we'll see how that works out because the Sabres, I think, still have a signing period where they can bring one of the two of them back, even if they are a senior. So, um, But in any case, uh, yes, going with the uh, Kraken uh, transition, Matty Beneers. It was another top pick, second overall in the very interesting uh, for Michigan that they were able to get all these guys, but second pick overall in the last draft. He has played a game with the Seattle Kraken, and he are in the so far he's a point per game player. He got a primary assist on a Ryan Donato goal for the Kraken, and um, I I haven't really been able to watch much of his game, much of that game, but. Obviously big for him that he was able to get that first point out of the way. 
and we'll see what he's able to do. I mean, this is this is a guy who could potentially become a face of the team down the road. I mean, obviously they have great talent already there. I mean, that's the thing. Seattle hasn't had the best season, but you look at Beniers and the guys who he's going to be around, a guy who's won cups in Yanni Gord, who's also a young player, but he's been around other significant talents in the league. Jordan Eberle is a veteran who is so skilled and can help, you know, reel him in as like a mentor in a sense. He's got some nice pieces around him. Jaden Schwartz. Jaden Schwartz. He's got some nice pieces around him that'll help ease him into the league. You know, that's the thing, too, is that with some of these younger guys, call them younger guys like they're that much younger than me, um, you know, they there's right ways to bring them in and there's wrong ways. And I think the I, that's when it comes down to management and coaching where it's like, OK, well, we're going to put them in these situations and we're not going to put them in situations like going back to power real quickly. He almost had a shorthanded goal in the Blues game. You know, Granado puts him in, was putting him in situations where, you know, he feels comfortable. Power in game two was was comfortable enough to go in on an offensive attack. And then I think Hinnestroza or someone else went back and was the defenseman just so they could keep an even amount on the blue line. But, you know, the fact that power is going in offensively to try to get a chance, that shows that there's some comfortable there's some comfortability there already and we're two games in. So it, and it's, that's, that stuff's all about communication. I'm going right. to go in forwards going to back you up. Right. Yeah. So I, I think, like I said, there's ways to do it properly. And like I said, I don't know how they're doing it with Beneers, but I mean, congrats to Beneers and power on getting their first uh, points in the league. I, I, first I of, just, I just yeah. want to say this on Beneers and Seattle because I think a lot of people, myself included, because I thought Seattle could surprise some people and be a playoff team this year. I, right. I, and I think that's just the thought of they could be Vegas 2.0. And they weren't, and that's not a knock on them. But I like what Ron Francis is building because he has a plethora of draft picks over the next couple of years. Right. When you go through what they have. So he's going to use those picks for one of two things. He's going to use them for himself. Or, hey, I can go get more talent by just trading picks. And I'm going to surround Matt Beniers, Eberly, Schwartz, Gord, whoever, with some more talent and just stockpile. So Ron Fr- and let's be totally fair. Ron Francis has built that team down in Carolina. Yeah, that is Ron Francis's team. So if there's anyone I want to be the GM right now, if I'm a young player, it's Ron Francis because I I'm going to trust his process. Yeah, I, I mean, I just I don't think it's fair to compare Vegas and Seattle. Not that we were necessarily. But I mean, obviously, I can understand with the with the precedent that Vegas set. But I just think that the drafts were two different strategies. Oh yeah. Vegas had theirs and, and you know, the Kraken just built a different type of team. They have a different approach going into that expansion draft. And with, with the Kraken, I mean, like I said, I, I think that their future is very bright with some of the pieces they got. They'll be, you know, and, um, but I just think, like I said, different, 
the different philosophies going into the expansion, the separate expansion drafts, but there's also the aspect of it too that Vegas. I don't know. So many GMs were who were on the wrong end of trading with Vegas that when you looked at Seattle's expansion draft, no one traded with Vegas or uh, Seattle. Sure. No one did those advanced deals. Like we won't take your player if this, because so many GMs got burned from the Vegas expansion draft that there were none at all. I was looking forward watching that expansion drafts for Seattle to have, you know, to see what kind of deals would get done. And there were none. And so I think a lot of the GMs smartened up and, they weren't able to to benefit as much from those type of things because no one was willing to make a deal. They were the other GMs saw through it, learned from their past mistakes, whatever the case is. But um, so I think that that has to be factored in there too. It was a different philosophy, but also Vegas had a little bit more that they were able to accomplish when they were in their own expansion draft. But Seattle's future is very bright. I think Beniers has a lot of great talent surrounding him. And we'll see how he continues to flourish as the games pile up. Like I said, he uh, he's only been in one so far, um, and we'll see how things go. Last guy from the Michigan Wolverines that we'll talk about is Kent Johnson. So Kent Johnson left the Michigan program, signed a three-year entry-level contract with the Columbus Blue Jackets, and he debuted for the team against the Montreal Canadiens. Did not get a point yet, um, but... You know, obviously, we'll keep an eye on him as well. But those are the three that I wanted to mention was Power, Beneers, and then Ken Johnson as well. We'll see what Johnson's able to do with the Blue Jackets as he piles more games up on his career. We'll see how these guys do. I mean, they they were a powerhouse of a team in Michigan. And, you know, now Michigan's losing a lot of that a lot of that depth that they had. I mean, they had a lot of guys that went back to college and they were kind of like a super team in the sense because they had power and veneers and, and those guys. So, I mean, they, they still have talent. Portillo went back uh, for Michigan. So he'll be the goalie for them next year. Uh, you have the, the other, you have the third Hughes brother that's going to be there again. So they, they've got their pieces. And, and for these three guys, they're all on non-playoff teams. So they're just getting experience and their feet wet down the stretch and it's confidence going into next season for all three. Right. Yeah. So we're going to see, but, um, but yeah, we will, we will definitely see congratulations, obviously to power Beneers and Johnson on their NHL debuts. So are are you Sabres fans going to call power He-Man and be like, I've got the power. So many people have made that joke already. Um, it's especially after his debut when they won. There were so many people. There was one where they took the Stewie uh, Family Guy uh, uh, meme, and it was him instead of it was they put the Sabres logo where his Stewie's face was. And instead of holding up the bar, the, uh, the dumbbell or whatever, he's holding up Owen power. <laughs> it's like, we have the power. Speaking but, of which that, that was three of four, right? The Sabres took three of four from the Leafs. Yes. Yeah. And considering, and that was the thing too, is I was watching the, the caps Leafs game the other day. 
uh, living in D.C. and it was on at the station. I looked and it it was like seven to three, and I'm just like, we took care of business. <laughs> seven seven three Leafs, and I'm just like, well, we handled uh, our business with Toronto this year uh, better than that. But yeah, granted, the Caps are also going to the postseason, and we're not. So I mean, who really won? Oh man. The playoffs are going to be fun. It really is, especially with all the offense that we're seeing, which is also a very good transition to unintentional. Smooth transitions on a Saturday. But uh, yeah, so I wanted one thing that I wanted to when you and I were discussing about potential topics uh, for this episode, um, I wanted to talk about the hundred point scores for this season because there's been a ton and I love to see it. It gives me uh 90s NHL vibes where just everybody, there was a superstar like everywhere and they were lighting the lamp like crazy. And I know that there were people in the 2000s that were like, oh, why can't we have more offensive, um, you know, seasons like back in the 90s? Remember, there was that whole conversation about goalies, uh, you know, making the pads smaller. Yeah. You know, they were trying to find ways to get more goals, which, of course, every goalie is going to be in for. You know, they, they don't mind, you know, letting more goals in, you know. It's, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, we sure, don't get I'm sure they don't have any. The I'm sure they don't have any disagreement on any of that kind of conversation at all. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, a lot of 100 point scores to get to. Um First and foremost, of course, this guy's going to be leading not only in the conversation, but leading the conversation right now as we speak with 110 points. Connor McDavid, in my opinion, the best player in the league. No offense to Crosby, no offense to Ovechkin, no offense to some of these other. In my, he is the best. You're not going to get an argument out of me. Yeah, no, I I mean, it's really hard. I mean, I, I, I love the... Twitter time periods where I'll hop on late on Twitter and the Oilers game is going on and McDavid absolutely fooled like three or four different guys. And I see like every top NHL analyst or friend of mine on Twitter who loves hockey is retweeting the video of McDavid doing something spectacular. I mean, he's a wizard with the puck and just their own version of like the eye emoji and the fire emoji and the <gasps> gasping emoji it's always yeah, some level of that and this guy is a magician and everything i mean it's 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 always fantastic but yes f- feed me more mcdavid highlight goals videos um anyway so he leads the league with 110 points followed by and some people might be surprised about the name on the list but he's been fantastic jonathan huberdo has 108 points this year for the Florida Panthers. Florida Panthers are going to be such a team to deal with in the uh, in the playoffs this year for the Eastern Conference. They are a dangerous threat with a lot of the talent that they have, the depth they have. And Jonathan Huberdo, one of the guys they drafted to be one of the cornerstone faces of the offense, 108 points right now. He's the first Panther ever to hit 100 points. I'm glad you mentioned that. That's probably He's the, the first points. Panther ever to reach a hundred points. It's huge. And it's he huge. should win the Hart Trophy. All right, we'll 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 mark that down. That's your pick for the Hart Trophy. Uh, I, I have my reasons, people, but Jonathan Huberto's the Hart winner. 
good stuff. We will, we will, we 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 have to eventually find ways to edit where we can like do like a little reminisce back during a podcast where it's just like we do like the and then like oh absolutely. If I know, we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure something out. Um, but we'll we'll mark this podcast down. I mentioned before it's the April sixteenth, twenty twenty two edition. All right. Following him, of course, when when you talk about the Oilers, they're led by not just one guy, but two guys. Leon Dreisaitl currently has 105 points for them, followed by fellow Alberta uh, team, uh, well, the rivalry team. (laughs) Yeah, look at me trying to explain things. Um, Fellow Alberta uh, team rival Johnny Goudreau with 101 points for the Calgary Flames. And Austin Matthews as well, 101 points for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So just to reiterate, we have Connor McDavid with 110 points, Jonathan Huberdeau with 108, Leon Dreisaitl 105, Johnny Goudreau 101, and Austin Matthews with 101. As this video is being recorded, we have quite a few games still to go. Um, so these are not; these are definitely not going to be the final totals. Um, but, Mike, a lot more goals are being scored, it seems like. Like I mentioned, giving 90s vibes a bit based on how much offense is being scored. Um, how are you liking all this? I mean, is there anyone out of these names that has stuck out? Obviously, you mentioned Huberdo. You want to H- Huberdo should win candidate. the whole... Jonathan, uh, Jonathan. Johnny Gaudreau as well. Uh, guy's a, uh, an unrestricted free agent at season's end. And he's backing up. He's going to need someone to pay him, and he's playing like someone who's going to get paid. Yeah, he he holds he holds all the cards at this point because he could just be like, "All right, Calgary, you're going to pay me or not?" Because I could go somewhere else and have no problem getting paid. Right, and like I I still remember the Daryl Sutter quote from last year when Gaudreau was about to play in his 500th career game, and Daryl Sutter just goes, I hope it's better than it's his 499th game. So, and, and, you know, you talked about Florida being a tough out. Calgary's going to be a tough out in the West. They're really good, too. Yeah. Um, They're leading the Pacific right now. So, I'm very interested to see where Johnny Gaudreau winds up, because it could be back in Calgary. I know a lot of people have mentioned him going to Philly and being a South Jersey guy. Um, So we'll have to wait and see. But those two, if we go further down the list on someone who I do think will also reach 100, I think we sick before the show Kaprizov's at 91, I think he said. at this point. I I think he's going to get there, too. He is the the real deal. He is the real deal, Carell. So, okay, so stepping out of the 100-point scores, the guys who are below that, we have Matthew Kachuk, who is 92. Okay, okay, we'll play a little game right now for the remaining guys. Okay. Do they reach 100? Okay. We will, we, okay. Matthew Kachuk currently has 92. I'll say no. Okay. Mitch Marner, 91. Yes. K- Kirill Kaprizov, 91. Yes. Yeah, I think so, too. JT Miller. No. No, I don't think so either. Artemi Panarin with 89. No. Okay. If yeah, the games mattered down the stretch for the Rangers, and, and I listen, people who are going to listen to this, I know they're still technically playing for the Metro and home ice, 
But let's face it, the Rangers are are going to rest some guys if they need a rest here before the playoffs. Well, yeah, I, I mean, that's the thing, too, is that the ultimate goal is the cup. Yeah. And you have to fight through so many, you know, people, you know, so many players and teams and potential injuries that guys might get or are even currently dealing with now that we don't right. know about. You know, so it's there's a lot on the plate as it is. And anytime you can provide any ease or relief, you, you got to go for it with how tough this sport can be. Um, so but yeah, so those are the those are the 100 point scores as well as some a few guys that are on the brink of hitting the 100 points. But uh Another another easy transition here. Look at us. We're in sync. We've been doing this for like almost three and a half, probably three and a half years at this point. So we have this down. Dude, we're, we're more in sync than Joey Fatone and Justin Timberlake. Oh, look at that. I like in sync, too. It's been forever since I've listened to any of their songs. But um, were, were you were you more just to get off topic briefly? Were you more of an in sync or Backstreet Boys <laughs> So, so he, here's the true story, because I grew up with two older sisters. One was big into the Backstreet Boys. One was big into NSYNC. I really couldn't care less. Yeah. Yeah, well, I didn't say they're both good. I mean, it's like, I'm not on, this isn't like, well, you have to pick a side. It's yeah. Like, they're both um, good. N- nowadays, I feel nostalgic when I hear either one on the radio, so. Brings you back to, like, 2000. <laughs> Brings me back to when I was a, a, a youth. A youth. That's one way to phrase that. Yes. A younger Mike Rifkin. Oh, uh, that kid was weird. <laughs> What's changed? What? <laughs> Just older now. Um, no, but uh, yeah, no, doing another kind of a smoother transition. Um, you mentioned the New York Rangers, and I want to kind of toss it to you for a little bit because – one of the longest is he the longest reigning guy on the team? Yeah, he is the longest tenured reign. Now Chris, that Henrik Lundqvist no longer plays yeah. the team, he's the longest tenured. Chris Kreider. Actually, actually Chris today Kreider. I think is the anniversary of his first game with the Rangers, which was a playoff game in Ottawa. I feel like I remember that. Yeah, he, um, he scored for Torts. Yeah, which but was, uh, but Chris Kreider. Hits has hit 50 goals for the New York Rangers and Rifkin. I will give you the floor. Um, just thoughts on Kreider hitting 50. Uh, four, fourth Ranger ever to do it behind oh, Vic yeah. Hadfield, Adam Graves, and uh, Yarmir Yager holds the franchise record with 54. I think that was 06 07. Uh, I have the years down. So Vic Hadfield did it in 71 72. Adam Graves did it in 93-94, cup year. Um, and then Yager did in 05-06. And if you think of those guys in particular, Kreider's kind of the most like Adam Graves. Yeah. In front of the net, you know, deflections, loose puck battles. What was that always Joe Kreider likes to run over goalies? <laughs> y- yeah, that, that was what people joked about, but... I think he took the firing of David Quinn very personally. Mm-hmm. Not because of maybe David Quinn, but because this was going to be another coach. This was his fourth coach, Bind Torts, AV, and, and then David Quinn. 
But I think he sees how talented this team is. And he goes, this team should be a playoff team, and I'm going to shoulder responsibility. Now, the Rangers did not name a captain before the season. Uh, but I think Ranger fans, if you go through Ranger Twitter and you social medias, I think most Ranger fans would be in agreement that Chris Kreider is the de facto captain. Even as a non-Ranger fan, I think Kreider should be captain. I just think that he's perfect for the role. Right. So, And I think he's taken more of that kind of role this year, um, leading by example. The, the 54 four goals, I mean, no, no one saw this coming. I, I mean, if you go through Ranger Twitter, people are like, oh, my God, he's going to get to 50. Heck, is he going to get to 40? And he got to 50. Um, I don't know if he'll break Yager's record. I really don't care if he does or doesn't. No, because, I mean, like, as you just said, no one expected this. This right. was like a, this was a really nice and, surprise. And more importantly, I don't want him all gold out before the playoffs. Yeah, I that's don't. also true. <laughs> that, that, that's, you know, and, and he's doing it in different ways this year. It's not just, hey, I, I'm big. Yeah, he deflects pucks on the power play, loose puck. Uh, puck battles in front. He's got a wicked shot. I, I mean, that shot, wrist shot off the rush is ridiculous. Um, he's playing shorthanded for the first time. He's playing on the PK for the first time in his career. And he's got three or four shorthanded goals. And he and Meek is like when we, we talk about McDavid, Dreisaitl, Barkov, Huberto, Marner, Matthews, we're slowly getting into Zabanajad and Kreider as that as another dynamic duo because those two guys are so good together and really for the first time in his career he has had a consistent number one center now he did play with Derek Stepp on all those other years but he also had Rick Nash and then Marty St. Louis came into the fold now it's a constant he's really only playing with Zibanejad, five on five, uh, on the PK, and on the power play, it's him and Zibanejad. Right. So, he he's the longest tenured guy. He deserves this. I, I hope they do name him the captain next year. Uh, but he's he's just having one of those years. He, I think it's really I think it. I think it's fitting. I think like like I like I'm super happy for him and for you guys in general as a team. Um, I think it. What's what makes it so special? I mean, obviously anyone scoring 50 and putting is putting their name in the record books, and the Rangers have a super historical record book just as a, an original six team. But I mean, to, for to have it be someone who's been with the organization, as you said, played his first games with John Tortorella as the coach. He's been there for so long, so he's been putting his blood, sweat, and tears for the blue shirts for a long time. So to have this be someone who's been so loyal and has been there so long, I think so. I think that's 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 just a great story. Um, and I, like I said, I really hope that they do name him captain next year. Um, as you said, I think we had talked uh, off of this. I think it, it wasn't even today. I think we mentioned. You, that you thought maybe it was Gallant just didn't want to name one in his first year as a coach, which makes yeah. sense. Well, you get to know the, the guys right. and can help play, make a decision. 
But, um, yeah, I mean, I think Kreider was definitely a name to consider. I know there's been other names. I think I've heard people mention Truba as an option. Would you be okay with Truba as a captain? Or? I, I mean, I love Jacob Truba. I just think for the tenure alone, I, I would Kreider's go Kreider. a better choice, in my um, opinion. And the, the, other, the other thing I'll say on Kreider, and then we can move off of this, is if you think back to the letter, and the letter that management sent to the fans saying, hey, we're going to go through a rebuild. And then out goes Rick Nash, out goes this guy, out goes that guy. And then there were the three three guys. It was Kreider, it was Zuccarello, and it was Henrik Lundqvist. Zuccarello, they moved on from, he gets traded to Dallas. And then it becomes the Lundqvist-Kreider show. And... Longquist eventually gets bought out, but Chris Kreider's been here since the letter. So he wanted to see this thing get turned around. Mm-hmm. I think that's something else that the, the fan base can be resonated with. It's okay. We have a, a guy who wants to be here, believes in what could be of this. And the Rangers rewarded him with a long-term deal. And now he, we are the Rangers and their fans are reaping the benefits when was the letter? Was that 2019? Was that spring of 2019? I'm trying to remember when that letter came out because that feels like a long time ago, too. I want to say it was 18. It could have been 18. Could have been. Uh, hold on. Let me. I, I can look it up. Because I think we had talked about that on the show, on this podcast, unless I'm mistaken, but. We could have for. There, there's no. No doubt about it. But, you know, he he did – he's been here since, you know, since – on February 8th, 2018. So it was in 18, and, you know, they, they, they signed him, and now they're reaping the benefits of signing him. Yeah. Um, I guess, Mike, any final thoughts before we, we hit the next thing? I'm excited for the playoff run. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I wish you guys luck, and also just I think it just in general as a general hockey fan who right now does not have a dog in the fight. But um, I think it's just when you don't have a dog in the fight, just watching flipping any game on is going to be enjoyable. Yeah, Um, it's the. It's going to be. It's going to be nuts. It's going to be good to have everything back to normal. This is the first season where we've had everything back to normal and have played a full 82 yeah, games. Yeah, it feels right. Um, obviously, the the timeline's a little off because normally I think playoffs are going on right now in a regular yeah. pre-pandemic time, but it it's close enough. Um, it's basically – it still feels right. Okay. So, but we'll, Before we'll the see playoffs, what, we will do a playoff preview podcast. Yes, that's probably that'll probably be the next one, honestly. Yeah. Um, one of the next ones, of course, but, um, but we will see, um, but yeah, we will see what the, the New York Rangers are, are able to cook up the rest of the regular season as they gear up for another postseason. They are beating Detroit today. I think it's two, it was two to nothing at last look. Um, you look, you could do a little, I mean, this podcast isn't going to come out until after. No, but, over, uh, but Ryder has an assist down. The, two, I don't know if he has two nothing and they're on the power play. Oh, Chris Kreider time, guys. Yeah. So, um, 
but yeah, but uh, yeah, we, we will see. We will see what happens for the Rangers going forward uh, for the rest of the season and into the playoffs. Um, some other, a um, couple other uh, notes here, real briefly before we hop into the statement address. Um, uh, I want to go to the West Coast for a brief, for a couple things, I guess, um, to finish things off. Uh, first of all, we will go to the Anaheim Ducks, where Captain Ryan Getzloff announced that he will be retiring after this season is over with. Um, Getzloff, obviously, being one of the, I mean, he's the face of the franchise, one of the faces of all of the franchise of all time, cur- the current face of the franchise, current captain. Um, I actually have his jersey, I because I, um, when the Ducks released those reverse retro ones, mm. the one that the Ducks had done uh, was really cool, where he the duck breaks out of the ice. I think that that was really cool. And it was a rare jersey when that one originally came out, so they only wore it briefly. Uh, so they picked that one, and I wanted to get that one, so I have that jersey uh, in my closet here. But um, but he, uh, but the only one I could get was Getzloff. So uh, it was a COVID thing with the names. I wanted Shattenkirk originally, but because um, I'm always I've always been a Shattenkirk fan. But I digress. Um, it, it's just uh, you know obviously one of the biggest faces of the franchise. He and Corey Perry were in the same draft in 2003, arguably the best draft in NHL history. And the Ducks walked away with both Getzloff and Perry, which was huge. Two of the biggest faces of the franchise they ever had. And there's a lot of great names that have played for that organization over the years of their existence. But, I mean, Getzloff and Perry were both younger guys and were not the two faces when they won the Cup in 07. They were significant. But you had other guys like Timu Solani, Chris Pronger, Scott Niedermeyer yeah, that were Niedermeyer. also there. Rob Niedermeyer. Rob Niedermeyer. That's right. Both Niedermeyers were there at the same time. Jay Shiger and Nett. You know, so I mean, it's they. Those were more of the veterans that were the faces of the franchise, where you had a young, younger Getzloff and a younger Perry, just kind of coming in the league for you know, not being in the league that long. So that was obviously. Um, you know, but they were still significant in what they did. Todd Marchant, I, I got to give the I got to give the Buffalo native a shout out. I also attended his uh, his skating camp for a, for a year or two, so so that was fun too when I when I did that. But anyway, um, so yeah, there were a lot of veterans that obviously that they learned around from, but then they became their own uh, their own superstars when they became the faces of the team. And obviously, I mean, like when we when you talk about like Corey Perry, I mean, he was a, he was a 50 goal scorer, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's just like that's just one of the, his biggest accomplishments. But then you look at Getzloff, and Getzloff is always, I mean, he's he's not that he's carried the Ducks on his back, but he's been such a big significant part, and he's been through their entire history. And now, I mean, now he's the veteran guy replacing the Prongers and the Niedermeyers and uh, the Solanis. And now he's the big veteran presence for these younger guys and Zegris, who, you know, is a potential rookie of the year candidate. And these other guys, the Terrys and, you know, all these younger guys that well, probably watched him on television when as he was hoisting up that cup. So, um so congratulations to Getzloff on a phenomenal career. 
His numbers going up in the rafters for in Anaheim. There's no doubt whatsoever. He, he's about going, that. He should go to the Hockey Hall of Fame. I definitely agree with that. Um, him and that. There's definitely the Getzloff Perry era in the Ducks history, and they both deserve just as many honors as you can give if you, if you're the Ducks organization. So. I don't know if you saw this the other night, but the Ducks were in Tampa playing the Lightning. And yep. after the game, the Lightning players went to Getzlaff, shake his hand, show him respect. And the last guy to do it was Corey Perry. Yeah, I saw the picture. And that was them. such a cool moment. Well, no, and the Lightning, I think, also put it on their Jumbotron. Uh, just, you know, congratulations, Ryan, on a great career. Class organization. The Lightning are very world-class. If you go through the Lightning Twitter and you could see when they do to the former Lightning players and when they give them the ring for the Sarah. Yeah, I've seen those, those are videos. cool. Those are cool. Yeah, because I, I saw... I, I saw, people hate on the Lightning because they've won back-to-back, but... Yeah, but that was cool. I saw I saw the video for when Goudreau got his. I yeah. saw the one for when uh, Coleman got his. So, yeah, all, all class there. Um but uh, but yeah, uh, on behalf of everybody here at the Breakaway Bandits podcast and the Sports Insanity Network, we want to congratulate Ryan Getzloff uh, on a fantastic career. Um, go enjoy retirement with your family, man, and and uh, best wishes. Um, but that but awesome career and um, you know get his number up there. So so you you told me to think about something. Yes. Okay. I'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned that part. Okay. So when we were talking before we hit the record button on this, we were we were talking about the idea of best ducks of all time, and you had made a joke <laughs> about yes. So he is the second greatest duck of all time. The greatest duck of all time is Charlie Conway. Yes. From the Mighty and, Ducks movies. And but when, that is the when, greatest Mighty Duck of all time. But when you were gonna make that joke, I originally thought you were serious. And I'm thinking, well, who's he putting in one? Is it is he putting Perry at one? Is he putting Solani at one? So that led to my question for you is if you're going to rank top five ducks forwards of all time. Oh, forwards. Okay. Well, we could also do we could all just do players in general, okay. but I, I guess I guess I wanted to make sure because we're when we're talking ducks of all time, like I don't know Solani is a big one. I mean, uh, so I, I, would put, I would put Getzlaff at one because he played his whole career there. Okay, and, and I like we talked about with Mike Boss the earlier, obviously in a different circumstance, right. But when you play your whole career in one spot, I, yes, Timu Slank have more goals and more points, and Timu Slank's a great player. This is not a Timu Solani knock. Timu Solani did go to Colorado for a Well, he went to Colorado. I think he was also a Shark briefly. I mean, yeah, he, so he, he's been everywhere. And that's the thing, he too. Was a winner, I, he was a, a Winnipeg Jet. I had meant, I, that's where he started his career, yeah. too. I had wanted to mention this during the bossy uh, segment too that we had talked about. Um, playing for one organization is so rare nowadays, right? In every sport, that you, the, the loyalty needs to be factored in because you just you never see it anymore. Right. So, so that's why I would put Getzlev at one. Um, 
because of the cup, I guess you could put Corey Perry at two. And then I'd probably, say because of the cup, because of the cup. Yeah, but Solani also won that cup too. I mean, right. So, so you go Perry, Solani, two, three, whichever order. Okay, okay. Paul, oh, no, I Paul get it. Perry, Perry was a duck longer. And then Paul Correa probably a four. <laughs> and if we want to really go old school, Steve Ruchin at five. Oh, you put Ruchin at five. I would probably put Ruchin at five. Ranger legend Steve Ruchin. Ruchin. Oh, it's biased. No, I'm kidding. Like, I'll be honest with you. If he ever, if they ever put a good team in front of him, John Gibson could easily make this list. Yeah. Well, I don't know if he, I, I think, think I had heard that he was getting frustrated. I have no source to confirm this, but I thought I had heard that he was getting so I'm frustrated. I'm going to call Elliot Friedman. Yeah, we, yeah, we need to, we, that, that's a guy we need to get on the show. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. It'll be the first video podcast. Because everyone because everyone has to joke about the faces he makes. Um oh, but yeah, so um but yeah, uh but congrats to Getzloff. Um staying in the West. Uh we had briefly mentioned with Solani. Look at uh, this was I think this has been smooth transitions this entire time. Really has. Really has. We've this might be the first podcast we've done that. Um Sticking with the West, uh, with the San Jose Sharks, um, Doug Wilson, who was the longtime general manager for the Sharks, uh, I saw a Tom Galetti article, 19 seasons um, with the the organization. He recently um, stepped down as the Sharks GM. Uh, Apparently, he had been on medical leave uh, since November um, the assistant GM's taken over in that role, but uh, Doug Wilson has officially uh, stepped down as general manager for the San Jose Sharks. We were saying this before we hit the record, but 19 seasons is a very long time to be a general manager. I don't know if he was the longest GM. I know Poyle is somewhere in that whole thing, but yeah, he's been the has he been the only GM in Preds history? I think so. And then Trotz was the only coach I think for the longest time. It's so I think because I think Laviolette was like the second or something like that. It's like yeah, now now it's John Hines. Yeah. So, but so I mean the the Preds right off the bat had done really well with uh, with their management, but but going back to Wilson, um, I mean he took over the job in like 2003. So I mean you see, I mean some of these teams that he's put together, obviously. I mean, I think the big biggest move, no question that he ever made, was getting Joe Thornton from the Brewers. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, that's no doubt. I mean, here's the thing: is that I mean, he did take. He can't get credit for getting Marlowe because Marlowe was already with the organization, and but Thornton. And, and, that's Thornton and Marlowe are the two biggest names in that franchise's history. And th- think about this: he traded a. I think was was Jonathan Chichu not in that trade? No. Chichu was Chichu started his career. Oh, that was with, Ottawa. It was Ottawa. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was him. part of the Milan. That was part of the Milan Mahalik uh, trade. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's another one you could win with because Chichu scored forty-eight one year, and then we never if, heard from. If him. you look, we will pull the, the greatest trade in Sharks history is the Thornton trade. We have to put. I have to look because I only remember part of this trade. Uh, Marco Sturm was part of the other 
went, went the other way. Um, okay. Um, okay. November 30th, 2005. That's how long ago this was. I was just going to start getting into hockey like a year later. In a trade that altered two franchises, this is an NHL.com article from John Kreiser. Um, in a trade that alters two franchises, the Boston Bruins send their captain, center Joe Thornton, to the San Jose Sharks for forwards Marco Sturm and Wayne Primo and defenseman Brad Stewart. I think if the Bruins wanted a do-over, they, they should probably try that. See, I'm wondering what it would have been like. And granted, the, this was around the time that they were that they were doing cap stuff. But um, I'm trying to imagine a reality where Thornton stays and they bring Zdeno Chara in as a free agent. I'm so, trying to think of a day where they have Thornton as their number one center, and then you follow up with Bergeron and Krejci at two and three. That, that, that's another about thing too. That's another thing, too. I mean, because that's the thing, is that Thornton and Bergeron were on the team together. <laughs> Could have been, yeah. Um, yeah briefly, but um, but still, I mean, and but yeah, I, I that's I mean, that's another solid point, too. But I just think for the size factor of Thornton, oh. size factor for Chara, I mean, that <laughs> huge. Oh. But yeah, so. One of the biggest trades that that the uh, Sharks ever, the, probably the biggest trade the Sharks ever made, no doubt. Um, but just a lot of the moves that he's made, I mean, you look at this entire Sharks team, and it's just over the years, it's been his imprint the entire time. I mean, it's just, and some of the best players in the league that used to be there, Pavelski, okay. example, that was, that was Wilson. Um, you know, just you go down the list. I mean, I don't have a list in front of me, but some of the best to ever play for this organization were he brought in. It was either free Brent agent, Burns. trade, draft. Brent Burns. Brent Burns. What a trade. That That's like got to be, what, the second best trade he's ever made? Because the thing was is that, you know, Burns obviously had, was establishing himself as a talent with the Minnesota Wild. Then there was that whole thing where he was like a forward and a defenseman or whatever. Um, but then he became the Brent Burns we know today by being a shark. So, I mean, it, it's – it's he has an eye. Him and his management over the years have had the eyes for talent. Guys who have been about to break out. I mean, and obviously, Thornton was great before. But, and they've drafted well. Hurdle. Yeah. Timo Meyer, Logan Couture, Pavelski, Pavelski, Marlowe. So they, they they've done such a good job there for so of getting the back off. Oh. Yeah, I think. Let me look at Pavelski. I think pa- Pavelski might have been. Pavelski might have been his fir- um, his first draft. I think Pavelski was what a sixth or a seventh round pick. Okay, so this what? okay, so the 2003 draft took place in June, and Doug Wilson took over. Yeah, 
legitimately like a month later that he, he became the GM um, was the draft, and he picked Pavelski. 205th overall. <laughs> that That's... The, the, whatever this guy touches for the most part turns to gold. And, and look, Wilson deserves a ton of credit because if not for Wilson, this organization might not even be in any Stanley Cup final ever. Listen, they didn't he, win, but they made the, it there. Here's the nicest thing I could say about Doug Wilson. He built a team so good that a team goaltended by Martin Jones went to the Stanley Cup Finals. That is a good point. <laughs> but, yeah, and and um, so just, I mean, he he is most of the San Jose Sharks history, and he deserves so much credit for just his what he's accomplished, um, them going to the Cup Final uh, against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, and obviously just, I mean, the being able to build around two guys in Thornton and Marlowe. Um, I mean, not everything is going to go to plan. Like we mentioned, Chichu, he had a 50-goal season and then dropped off. <laughs> uh, so, but I mean, you know, so there's some weird things in there like that. But uh, he rolled with the punches. And for every Chichu that kind of falls out of favor, you trade him to Ottawa and you get Mila, or you trade him, and who did they get? Oh, they got Danny Heatley back for that, didn't they? Oh, I'm not a hundred. I think it was. I think that was a Danny Heatley trade because Heatley, I think, had won it out of Ottawa. We're going to. This will be the last thing because I know we're off on tangents a little bit, but um, um, yep. In September of 2009, Heatley was traded to the San Jose Sharks along with a fifth-round pick for Milan Mahalik, Jonathan Chichu, and a second-round pick. So I thought that I thought that Heatley and Chichu were related in the same trade, but so there you go, all aboard the Chichu train. <laughs> I also just wanted to say that too because that's one of my favorite uh, nicknames. But all right. So congratulations to Doug Wilson um, on a great GM career. Um, obviously, I wish it was he was leaving under better circumstances with his health. But um, congrats on just everything that he's been able to accomplish because he he should be very proud with what he was able to build. They yeah. were competitive for so many different periods of of his era on the team. So congrats to him on a great job, well done. And um, and best of luck to him with his health uh, moving forward uh, in retirement. All right, Mike. So I know you wanted to to talk about the San Jose Sharks for your statement address. Yes. Yeah, so, so this is my audition. Yeah. Yes. Because you. Well, I mean, you're gonna have to try to knock out the assistant GM that's currently uh, the GM for them right now. But make your best pitch, Mike, for why you should be GM of the San Jose Sharks. It's like a job interview. It, it really is. All right. So uh, the San Jose Sharks sit at a record of 29-33 and 11. Uh, there are 500 team at home at 16-16 and five. Uh, 13-17, I believe, five on the road. Mainly because I did notes beforehand. Not even going to get into it. The last time they made the playoffs was 2019. They averaged 2.59 2 goals per game, 
3.18 goals against. Power play clicks at around 19%, PK at 86. Earlier this year, they re-signed Tomas Hurdle to an eight-year $65 million deal. AAV of $8.137 million. Timo Meyer leads the team with 32 goals and 72 points. He has one year left on his current deal at $6 million. Hurdle, 28 goals, 61 points is a minus 5. Logan Couture, 23 goals, 50 points, minus 11. Brent Burns, who we talked about before, 9 goals, 40, 48 points is a minus 15. Eric Carlson, we didn't even talk about that trade. No, we didn't. <laughs> 10 goals, 35 points is a minus 14. Uh, that was when Carlson wanted out of Ottawa. Hold another deal. Uh, Nick Benino's a minus 26. Mark Edward Vlasic's a minus 20. If you go down the Sharks roster, there's a lot of minuses. So that's really what I was doing. James Reimer, 18-16-7 with a 2.79 goals against and a .914 save percentage with a shutout. Aiden Hills, 10-11-1 with a 2.66 goals against, a .906 save percentage, and two shutouts. Okay, so... We're going into the offseason with the Sharks here. The first thing they've got to do is they've got to sign Timo Meyer to a long-term deal. That's the first thing they have to do. Absolutely. He's their best player right now. Leads team in goals and points. Him and Hurdle. That's your foundation going forward. So, they're going to have, I think it's a, I think because the cap's going up like a million bucks. They're going to have around $6 million in cap space because they have around five right now. You need more space. Of course. Now, he, the problem they have is they have three defensemen who are really paid well. Burns makes $8 million. Carlson makes like eleven three something like that. And Mark Edward Vlasic makes a lot. Now, all three have no trade clauses. One of them has to go. Yeah, now, I agree. That to be mean or anything, but I and I think the easiest one to move is probably Vlasic. Yeah, because Burns, he, Bur, as good as Burns still is, he's getting Carlson's the youngest I think of the three, but his injury history, I don't know if a team trades for him right now. So I think you got to leave Vlasic who is the best defensive defenseman of the group. I have a question for you. I don't mean to interrupt you. I know, sure. I know I, we typically have questions for that at the end. Sure. But how has Vlasic's play been for them from what you've seen? So, he so, so he's, a, he's a minus player. Yes. But he was never an offensively gifted guy to begin with. That's first. Because he was more defensive. He's more defensive. I just don't think this team is – that good. I think there's a lot of things going on there. I, I don't think he he's a guy who could play 15, 20 a night. I think you're looking now at a – I don't even want to say he's a bottom pair because the way he's paid, he's still got to be in your top four. Okay. All but, right. The reason, the reason why I asked is because I know the Sabres have gone on record to say that they want to try to get a veteran, but the, the quote was a top-tier veteran – uh, so, to play, to basically be a mentor for power. 
if he wants to go there, I, I don't see a real issue with that because the Sabre, the Sabres are a rebuilding club, and he, if he wants to mentor someone, but but is has he fallen too much off where that wouldn't be beneficial for power? No, because I think his leadership could be good enough for a guy like Power. Okay. Um, but for me, if the Sabres are going to do it, the only question I have is what's the price tag and does he want to go there? You're right. Like the, t- the team I've thought of for Vlasic actually is the Capitals. Okay. Because he he's not going to have to pay play with John Carlson or anything, but he could solidify a third pairing. So I, I think that's that's what that's a team I was looking at if they could afford it. Or hey, get a third team like Arizona in there and they could eat some of that money. All right, so so I would trade Vlasic. Um they have a couple of young guys, Alexander Barabanov, Noah Gregor, Jonathan Dahl. Just bridge them. Don't sign them long term, just bridge those guys. See what you got going forward. Um, they did acquire a goaltender at the trade deadline, Capo Kakinen, the yes. guy from Minnesota. He is a UFA or an RFA. Resign him and then trade Reimer or Hell. I don't think James Reimer's had a really good year. And James Reimer, if you need a backup goalie, I think James Reimer is a perfect fit for a lot of teams. He comes in, does his job, and he's really good at it. So we got to fill out the roster. And look, I'm going cheap here because Kachur's not going anywhere. Hurdle's not going anywhere. Timo Meyer. I'm looking bottom six. A guy like Zach Aston Reese from Anaheim, who they just acquired in the Raquel deal, or Anola Chari from Florida. Guys like that, I, I would try to fill out my lineup with. And the most important thing I'll, I'll say is this. I don't know if it's going to happen after the season, but entering next year, Bob Bugner's on the hot seat. Okay. And you you have to find out who the coach of this team is, and you have to identify where you are. Are you a team that's going to go for it, or are you a team that's going to retool? Because, look, Meyer's going to cost a lot of money. Kachur makes a good piece of money. Hurdle just got paid. You're gonna have to move one of those three defensemen that I just said. Yeah, I think that's the. I think that's one of the most important things is you need to know what the direction is because if you you can't just be like, well, we're gonna try to be competitive, but also the future. Like, I mean, I know there's a little element of both, but I think the thing is is you need to have, you need to know what you're gonna be doing with these veterans or what you're gonna be doing. You need the cap space, as you said. One of these defensemen is gonna be going in the off season. Um, you know, so you, it's, there needs to be a clear direction about what the team needs to, what direction they need to head. Right. And you look at the Pacific division, Calgary's really good and they're going to stay really good going forward. Vegas is really good. They've just been slaughtered by injuries all year. Yeah. Decimated. And they still have a chance to make the playoffs. I never know what the Oilers are. I stay. I know right now they're really good, and McDavid and Dreisa, I don't buy the Oilers. Until they prove to me the goaltending's good enough, I won't buy the Oilers. 
LA and Anaheim are rebuilding clubs, but they've both played really well for the most of this year. I know Anaheim fell off after the All-Star break. That doesn't mean much to me because I really like some of those young players. And then Vancouver's going to be good next year based on how they've played recently with Bruce Boudreau there for a full year. JT Miller's had an unbelievable year. Patterson's played really well recently. Thatcher Demko, Thatcher Demko's a stud in goal. So all of a sudden, the Pacific Division, it's got a lot of talent. Yeah. So if you see an opportunity, if you're the Sharks, to say, hey, maybe we can retool it a little bit, I'd have no beefs with it. And I don't think your fan base would have beefs with it because you've been one of the most consistent franchises for the last decade plus. Right. So that 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 is the statement address I have for the San Jose Sharks. I'm Mike Rifkin, and I approve this message. Yeah, I mean, I, I I pretty much agree with everything you said. I mean, uh, I mean, definitely get Timo Meyer locked up too because the year that he's had 32 goals, 40 assists, 72 points in 68 games. I mean, talk about one of the future offensive. You know, I mean, I mean, he's not even future; he's current. But um, him, Hurdle, obviously, it's always great when Couture, uh, you know, contributes offensively. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I think Vlasic's the one that goes. Yeah, I, I just think Burns and Carlson are going to be too too hard to move. Yeah, yeah, and I I just think that they're and, and they'll the somehow other, end up staying there. And the other part is, I know there's going to be someone who says, "Oh, but you'd buy him out." I don't think you want a situation like uh, Minnesota is going to have next year yeah. with the Suter Parisi deals that. I think that's seven million each in dead cap. Yeah, that the, the if the contracts are big, when you buy them out, the hindrance is also going to be big on the cap. So you're right. never fully rid of that deal, right? So, for a long time, and it's just you're you're better off getting probably more out of them at this point in the lineup. So t- teams, if you're interested in trading for a Vlasic, call Seattle or Arizona, someone with a ton of space. I think so the Sabres are Sabres, Sabres are going to need to to spend a little bit. Uh, okay, so if you want to take that money, you know, um, I, I, that's something to definitely ponder over. I don't know if I would necessarily want to do it, but it's something that you know you have to see. You know, the Sabres are going to be going to be trying to get a veteran for power to be as to be a mentor. Um, so because there is a lot of youth on that blue line, so but. But all right, I believe that is everything we wanted to talk about. Mike, any final things before? Actually, just a couple of quick notes. Yes. Because you brought up Rick Janrett's retiring. Yes. So congrats to him on a great career. Uh, Pat Foley, the voice of the Blackhawks, is also retiring. He called his last game the other night. Yes. And Carey Price is back. And Carey Price played last night for Montreal, which uh, we're which we're very we're very happy that he is back after he took some time for himself to be with himself and his family. Um, we're very happy to see that he is back on the ice. And uh, Jerry York, the longtime coach at Boston College, is also retiring. So he's had a probably the second grace college hockey coach of all time behind Red Berenson. So. Congrats on an amazing career to those gentlemen. And to all those celebrate, 
Happy Easter. Yes, Happy Easter. And Happy Passover. And Happy Passover. Yeah. All righty. Uh, thank you all for watching, watching, listening. <laughs> oh, man. We're 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 watching because we we do, do we do do this on Skype. But um, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Breakaway Bandits podcast on April sixteenth, two thousand twenty-two edition, part of the Sports Insanity Network. Mike, do you want to do the spiel on uh, sure. just so you can listen? Sure. You can listen to anchor.com slash breakaway bandits for this episode. Any other episodes, check out the website, www.thesportsinsanitynetwork.com for blogs, other content, the other podcasts, whatever fancies, whatever fancy you want to listen to, but that'll do it. And as we always say, we'll talk to you next time and namaste. Namaste.